Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. We are recording this on Wednesday, July the 28th. Uh, in the morning, which is neither of us a favorite time. No. And, you know, it's like the older I get, the earlier I get up. Is I'm that like right? Old, I'm like an old person. I get do up you, at like six something. Do you really? I sleep in every morning. I'm able can't. to sleep in till, like I would normally be asleep right now. Yeah, I, that used to be me. I, I can sleep till like 10 a.m. And then I get ready for the show. All right. Well, so wait, I, ten, wait, wait 10 more years. Yeah. So we got a really cool guest today, Jeremy Swift from uh, Ted Lasso. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the Simone Biles story at the Olympics. Have you seen what's going on with her? Yes, I have. Uh, she withdrew uh, just this morning from all of the individual events. Earlier this week, she withdrew from the Team Olympics event. And a lot of people critical because she's withdrawing because of mental health issues. Sue, what do you think of that? Well, I mean, it's hard to deny her of the of that feeling. I mean, like, who are we to say that? Uh, I, I don't think it's bad sportsmanship. I no. just, I think that uh, the way the Olympics have been, the fact that you know she had to wait an extra year to compete again, yeah. and now given the situation where there's nobody in the stands. Um, and, and all the wait time, like she was saying, how she had to wait for hours and hours. Right. And, you know, this is high stakes competition. Sure. And, um, hey, she's know. spinning around in the air, you know, yeah. on these crazy moves. If you're not right, yeah. if you don't feel right in the head, I understand why you wouldn't undertake what really are dangerous, dangerous moves, whether it's the balance beam or the uneven bars or the floor exercise, any of those things, I think it would easily uh, be a possibility that you could get injured if you're not right, if you don't have yourself set. Yeah. And also given the fact that the judging, they, they, they even, they, they were so, you know, they, they, they basically came out and admitted that she is so good at what she does that they were not giving her higher points because they were saying that uh, other countries are, are going to try to basically mimic what she's doing and they're not as skilled and it's dangerous and they may hurt themselves. Right. Well, I talked to, I was in Rio in 2016 at doing the Olympics for Westwood One and we had gymnastics analysts. So we had Peter Vidmar, who was a great gymnast out of UCLA. And we had Mary Lou Retton, who is, of course, the greatest uh, uh, gymnast of her, her era. And both of them told me that what Simone Biles does is so much further advanced than when they were competing. And they're actually, she's inventing moves that people thought would never be possible. I mean, she is, and, and in their opinion, she is the greatest Olympic gymnast of all time. You know, Mary Lou Retton said, I could never 
I could never do what Simone Biles does. You know, the thing that I, I think, and I saw Michael Phelps speak to this on NBC in a very, and by the way, Michael Phelps is a fantastic analyst. He has been great on the Olympics. But he talked about, you know, the fact that if you are the face of the Olympics, and of course, Michael Phelps was, mm-hmm. that the pressure is just extraordinary. You have the weight of the world on your shoulders, and it is hard to be that person. You know, I was in Sydney. I'm just dropping Olympics now. When I was in Sydney in 2000, uh, Kathy Freeman was an Aboriginal uh, woman who was just a tremendous athlete. And she was going to run in the 400 meters. And the 400 meters, was, you know, was her event. And she lit the cauldron for the Olympics, which actually there's additional pressure with being the person who actually lights the cauldron. And here she is, she's representing her country and she's representing her people, Mm -hmm. all of the Aboriginal people of Australia, the original uh, people of Australia. And here she goes into the 400 meters. And I thought at the time, what pressure must there be on Kathy Freeman? Now she was able to win. And, but I, you know, in my head, I was like, how could she do that? She's the face of the Olympics. She's the face of uh, Aboriginal people, Australian people. uh, And she is the face of track and field. And to be able to come through is incredible. But the pressure had to be just incredible on her. Right. And, you know, when you think about it, it's every four years. I mean, this time it's been, it's five years, but, you know, if you're, if you're in the playoffs in in basketball, you're in the World Series in baseball, you know, look, there's a lot of pressure, but there's next year. (laughs) And then there's the year after that. This is every four years. And for some of these athletes, this is it. This this is is their shot. And after four years, they're just not going to be competitive anymore. Yes, yes. And the one thing I'll say about this, and of course, I've uh, dealt with uh, M Bipolar 1. We've talked about that on the show. I've talked about that on my radio show too. Um, I There are times that I do need a mental health day. And my company, ESPN, has been very, very good about that. And I think increasingly now, If you look around at the world in general, people have woken up to issues of mental health. And, you know, I support Simone Biles. She had the weight of the world on her shoulders. She was the face of the Olympics. And it was just too much. And by the way, you pointed out she had to wait that extra year to be able to compete. So that was an additional year of training and staying at the very top of her sport. So I understand it with Simone Biles. I certainly sometimes need a mental health day. Sometimes, Sue, you know, will uh, you you make me crazy. So I have trouble with that uh, because, you know, you're, you're a little nutty on your side. Um, but, uh, but I support Simone Biles, despite the fact that, you know, there are a lot of people. She's a quitter. Of course, there's pressure. This is what you signed up for. There's a lot of vibe out there for that. That's, that's a lot of people talking about that. Uh, but, I, but I support her completely. And I'm glad that she's taking care of herself. And I think that the haters, the critics, uh, need to take a look at this issue and take it much more seriously. You know, Steve, anytime you need a uh, mental break day from me, yeah. um, you, you know, I, I will give it to you. 
No, oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I was going to ask for today, but we had such a great guest. Um, our guest today is nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the Emmys for his work as Higgins on the feel-good show Ted Lasso. He may be best known for his work on Downton Abbey, but he has also worked with directors like Roman Polanski and Robert Altman and the Wachowski siblings. We are lucky to have him. Jeremy Swift is here. Jeremy, thanks so much for doing this. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. How are you? Everything is great here. We are addicted to Ted Lasso. Uh, it is. Uh, we're in the middle of season two, and I guess just watched the first episode, so we're so excited about it. Congratulations on your Emmy nomination. Did the nomination catch you by surprise? It did completely, yes. Yeah, I, I, 100% by surprise. Because I'd looked online. I'd seen a thing that had come up on my timeline about a bunch of us possibly getting nominated. And I thought, what? Really? Oh, um, and uh, and then I looked, and I wasn't, in most of the predictions, um, I wasn't in the top eight. <laughs> and I thought, oh, all right, I'm not going to look at that again, And but I'm glad I looked at it because now I know I can steal myself, you know. Um, so I just thought, that's fine. And then so when... Yeah, my manager um, rang me to tell me, and I was, yeah, very surprised. And, it's, yeah, it's, it's very sweet. People love the show, so, you know, that's great. So it's there's, really, really there's nice. so there's four four of you, four guys, that, four are, guys. That, that are nominated in this category, and I was thinking it's kind of like a personal Ted Lasso category, <laughs> you know? I, mean, I don't think it, I've it, ever seen that before where so many actors in one category from one show were nominated. I think I think Modern Family may have done it. Um, oh, okay. Um, yeah, a few, you know, about a decade back. But um, yeah, no, it's it's um, it's it's great. Yeah, very surprising. So uh, Ted Lasso, I think, is the best show on television right now. It is so happy. It's so feel good. It comes along at a time in the world where we really need something like this the Ted Lasso welcome wagon has arrived I you little turd birds start touching your toes and touch each other's toes what how long was I not as long as last time but nobody was hurt okay people saying there's something wrong with us not the way I see it I believe in communism Rom communism, that is. If Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan can go through some heartfelt struggles and still end up happy, then so can we. This is our turn to make history, and I believe we're going to do just that. To the family we're born with, and to families we make along the way. To Richmond! Uh, tell us the story of getting this role as as Higgins. Oh, um, well, I just went up for it, um, and I did. I didn't do a self tape. I met the casting director. Um, I know Brendan and Jason had been over a little bit to see some Rebecca's, but I think otherwise they and the team just watched self tapes uh, um, or whatever or casting tapes, and so. Um, 
yeah, I, you know, you go up for a bunch of stuff, you go up for lots of stuff, and I thought, well, seems really good. Don't think about it too much because, you know, that'll jinx it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, after about a week or so, I heard my agent said, you're high in the mix for it. And, and then, yeah, I was really excited <laughs> for ages. And just, like, yeah, I was literally driving, hitting myself in the head going, don't think about it, don't think about it. <laughs> and, um, um, uh, yeah. And then I, lay, I heard later that, because <laughs> I had to wait another two weeks or something. So it was quite a stretch for something that was, you know, really a big show. Um, I heard that they kind of decided... As I said my name on the casting tape, <laughs> Jason said, yeah, that's it. Um, wow. uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, and I, and I thought, oh, I wish somebody could have, <laughs> I wish I'd known at the time, because I was sort <laughs> of, you know, in, you know, in, you know, agony. Yeah, that but, waiting game for actors is so, oh, so tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems like such a... Um, it seems like such a fun show to work on, and um, it, 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 it is there like a lot of hijinks and, and shenanigans that go on because it just feels like it goes hand in hand with the show. Um, there are, um, th- but not in an off-putting way, not in a kind of aha um, <laughs> uh, surprise. You. Um, there is there is improv, which is great. You know, I've always wanted to be in a show and. I'm, uh, particularly, I've always wanted to be in an American creative comedy um, uh, because that's what you guys do so well. I mean, I think the greatest American art forms for me are jazz and sitcoms. Hmm. You do them better than anybody else. Um, and so that was that was one thing I'd always wanted to do. And yeah, it, yeah, they, they run with it. I mean, and the amount of times I sort of think, that wasn't in the script, you know. Oh, I mean, like the dance that I do when I'm eating the cake in season one, all it said in the script was um, uh, Higgins accepts the cake. (laughs) You know, we filmed that for about an hour and a half until I'd eaten a good ton of cake (laughs) and my teeth were practically falling out because there was so much sugar in it. Um, But yeah, stuff happens um, and, you know, scenes get finessed and messed with and... um, yeah, it, there is fun, but it's not kind of, it's not just like joking around. It's a winning sense of fun, you know. It's it's work, and we try and get the scenes the best out of the scenes that we possibly can. Um, so there's a lot of focus. It's not just what we're going to do today, <laughs> you know. It's 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 work at the end of the day. Nobody's there to to, to mess around. Only in a only in a fun way. You know, right, so right, you've right. D- you've done so much in terms of uh, in, in terms of television and film, and I wonder if when you're doing Ted Lasso when you started, did you realize that it was special? Did you realize that it was different? Did you have a sense it was going to catch everybody's imagination? Not to the degree I, that it did. No, I, I couldn't have. How could you have foreseen quite such a thing? And also. This, you know, it coming out when the pandemic happened, um, and so having that effect on people, where people used it as a, a tool to help them feel better. Um, I, there's no way you could have predicted that. You know, the show was going to be what it was going to be anyway. Um, 
But I did think it was a great show, and and once I'd seen it edited and and put together, I I, I was knocked out by it, and I just thought, but you know, I have been in other stuff that I've thought this is good, isn't it? You know, and not everybody takes to it, but the public really did, and that's that's amazing. How how close is Ted Lasso to Jason Sudeikis? He he seems like he's he's very he's probably not that far off. In yeah, there life. are a lot. There are so many stories about what a great guy Jason Sudeikis is, and interactions with reporters and all that stuff. Yeah, Jason Jason is great. He's not he's not a he's not a sardonic person. He's um, he has a um, he has a way with him where he will dance round cynicism in the same way as Ted, but. He's not quite as folksy and buoyant, you know. He is—he's um, quite a cerebral person, and um, I would say that both Jason and Ted are emotionally intelligent, but in very different ways. Um, uh, uh, and Jason is quite bookish, and and also there's a shyness about Jason as well. Um, um, uh, um, but he—he he is. And he doesn't have that, you know, he, he, he works with the cast fantastically. And of course, he's a key creator and the, and the, and the it centers around him. But he'll, um, he'll be, you know, he's very deferential to the cast. And um, he wouldn't, he's not as tiggerish mm-hmm. as, um, as Ted is, I, I would say. So yeah. you've, you've got such a tremendous career. We were just looking back at some of your work. Um, are you more recognized now for Ted Lasso or for Downton Abbey? Um, I, I think, well, having just been to the States uh, from, from Ted Lasso, I think, really. Um, I, I, I always used to enjoy the fact that I wasn't recognized because I thought that's me doing my job properly. Um, you know, um, <laughs> if, if I, I'm playing characters, that's what I'm here to do. But I, <laughs> I can't, I can't seem to escape the, the, that with Ted Lasso. Um, I, when I was in New York recently, I was recognised, sort of on the hour. Uh, it's something you just have to go with, you know. And people are nice about it, and just and they always very positive and say, "It's a great show," and thank you very much, and it's very sweet. So tell so that. Oh, so far, <laughs> not good. <laughs> so Downton Abbey was huge. So what what was it what was it like working on a, a, a period piece like that with the likes of um, you know Maggie Smith? I mean she you know when I when I look at her she she seems so intimidating. What what was it like working with her? Uh, well, I met Maggie on um, Gosford Park about ten years before because um, that was a remit, of course, that Gareth Neem posited to. Julian Fellows that he let you know let's do a TV show of Gosford Park, um, and so uh, I, I I always I was really liked her. I think she's really funny, and um, I'm not really um, although I play I often play <laughs> benign accommodating characters. Um, I'm not really frightened of anybody. I'm, I'm not you know I've worked with some very um, people who have a reputation like Roman Polanski. Um, I'm, I'm not, that's one of the, I don't know why it is, but I'm just not, I'm not fearful. And and some people are a bit of Maggie, but I didn't, you know, wasn't. (laughs) I've I've done lots of costume dramas. Um, 
uh, I, I seem to have a face for that. Um, uh, I did um, I did Vanity Fair for the BBC, in which I had to wear a big fat suit and <laughs> layers and layers of costume. Um, you know, it's it's great to get into different periods. I really enjoy it, um, and get into the sensibility of a, of, a, of a time and look at the culture of what the time and the commonalities. You know, I love all that. I love basically i've been very lucky such would i i can manage to go from one genre to another a film or a sci-fi film or or a costume drama but um it, it's what i would have wanted <laughs> says he almost posthumously um um you know it's um, <laughs> what i always wanted really. so you did gosford park which is a fantastic film uh it's yeah. directed by robert altman uh what was it like working with Robert Altman? He has a reputation for being such an actor's director. Did you did you find that? I completely adored that guy. Um, I, I mean, um, yeah, he he loves actors. He's he's really um, he knows how to handle them. And uh, I mean, I was totally in tune with his idea that actors should talk against each other you know you usually you know across each other rather um you get on most film sets you'll get the the sound department say could you just could you not can you not do that you think just go and look at the canon of robert altman you know because um that idea it just pulls you in when people are talking that's how people talk to each other you know if, if you're probably already thinking now about what you're going to say to me, and, our, and, our, and somewhere, uh, although you've been quite polite so far, we haven't really done that, <laughs> but even in, 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 in a you know, domestic conversation, that's how it works. And it's a, such a great idea. He had so many technical ideas like that, like his panning and, and his incredible wide shots and something vital happening right in the middle of a very wide shot. Uh, I, I mean... It, it, it's funny you we talk about the word genius and you often think of boffing don't you and somebody who hmm. who just exudes genius by their force of personality where he was a very um he was a very strong character but he had some geniality and he was witty um and it, t it took me a while to realize this is actually a genius this is this is you know my definition of genius because he has so many capabilities also from kansas like Jason. Mm. So they breed quality guys there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you worked, uh, we mentioned uh, Robert Allman. You, you worked with Roman Polanski, who made my single favorite movie of all time, Chinatown. I really uh, think that uh, when I was a kid, I saw Chinatown and I live in Los Angeles now. I think that movie yeah. is why I moved to LA. It's such a perfect capturing of los angeles at such a cool sort of noir time um yeah. what what's he like on on this i'm assuming did you shoot that in france uh i shot it in the czech republic i'm sorry it's oliver Twi oliver twist is the movie yeah. yeah oliver twist that's right yes i mean blansky uh lives in in paris yeah um uh yeah no there's this um studio in prague where um that the Nazis built mm. um, for propaganda and they still have it there because, you know, it was a very good studio. It's got a huge backlot where they built about five 
um, Victorian London streets, uh, including, you, you, you know, um, a, a, you know, a, a canal. Mm. Um, um, uh, Polanski was, um, I, we, I tuned into him. He was very much about the work. Um, I was waiting for him to, um, to kick off. Didn't particularly, but he could be, he could be direct. But um, uh, I, I felt he was a person with with a with a big heart at the end of the day. But he was just he was very very driven and uh, on set, and um, he would get exactly what he wanted from. That's him. what I. That's what I wanted to ask you. He seems very very precise. Like he yeah. knows, I've, I've read a lot about the, the making of Chinatown and sort of the staging of Chinatown. And he had such a clear yes. vision and he's so, uh, so deliberate and, um, and precise about what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, a, a little bit like Hitchcock in that um, he's, he's worked it all out beforehand, you know, but not, not to the, not to the kind of, Cool calculating degree that Hitchcock did, even though you know, instead of it, it worked in the audience's favour, what he did. Um, but yeah, he was he would uh, he could get sort of. Um, there was a couple of actors. I think there was an old guy who was a kind of extra in it. Um, he who was he was cheesed off with one day, and I thought, oh, he's in a bad mood. And I and I was in the middle of a scene, and I, I thought I heard him shout "cut," <laughs> and so I stopped talking, and then he he said. He walked up to me really with his arms spread. Why did you stop? And so I walked up to him and said, "You shouted cut." And he said, <laughs> "I shouted gate." I said, "Well, it's your accent. I'm sorry." Um, so he meant he was he was shouting out an action. I thought, why is he not the first AD shouting out an action uh, for a gate to open? Um, so that was the only sort of <laughs> kind of standoff I had with him. But um, no, he's he. It, I mean, he's you know phenomenal director, and he, uh, and, uh, he he changes his subject matter so much as well, which is you know, which is I think the sign of somebody who who's a real artist. Yeah. Is it jarring going from uh, as an actor to go from like one style of directing to another? Is there like an adjustment that you have to make as an actor? You do. You do. You can't. You can't sort of. You can't. I can't sort of now go into a film set and go. Well, on Ted Lasso, we improvise all the time. What's the matter with it? You know, you have you have to go with the sensibility of the uh, uh, and the world of the, the 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 script and the direction. You know, you have to shift with that. Um, otherwise, you're going to jar. You know, that, and that's that's the thing. That's one of the things, uh, as well as characterization. You know, you that's one of the things you've got to adapt to quickly and 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 learn to do that. Otherwise, it's going to be a square peg in a round hole, you know. One more film I want to ask you about that you did is Jupiter Ascending with the uh, Wachowski siblings as the uh, directors. Uh, it's They are just flat-out geniuses. I mean, they've got a knack for creating a whole new world. They did it with The Matrix. They did it with V for Vendetta and Cloud Atlas and your movie. Uh, they've got such a unique vision. I've always been curious how they work on the set. They're co-directors. How does that actually work? Um, they would give each other room. They would get, um, they would come on to set and, and say, give us direction. 
quite often it would be in a real fun way. Um, uh, um, they were, I found them, they were both very funny and both really charming. Um, I think um, they have very specific ideas, visual ideas, of course, um, which they were, they, they would, really go with i mean the very first scene that i did on set they sat us down and they recorded the rehearsal and i didn't even really know <laughs> everybody's name at the table um, um which was very strange but they they are just incredibly intelligent people and i i think it was at the rap party i'd read that lana uh, in particular had been affected by 2001 a space odyssey seeing it with her father and the same thing happened to me it was i saw it when i was you know when it came out when i was like nine or something hmm. i think my dad thought it was going to be a kind of um i don't know fun science fiction <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and, more and serious yeah 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 and i we drove home with my dad and he wasn't saying anything he was kind of either frightened or stunned i never really knew um and i was just looking at him whilst he was driving you know and i, t- I talked about this to Lana. And she then sort of went, somebody else is going to ask her a question. And she went, no, um, I'm going to be with you in, in a while. And got another drink and talked to me about 2001. I should have written it all down. It was the most incredible intellectual appraisal of the film that I'd never heard before or since. And, I mean, they just have brains the size of planets. They are just, you know, incredible people. So you are, you started your career in the theater. Did you always know that you wanted to be an actor as a kid? Um, I think when I was about, I didn't, basically I didn't want to do um, my A-levels particularly <laughs> at the age of 16. And there was a drama course at the technical college and I'd done drama si- since I was 11 at, a, at an arts um, center in Stockton-on-Tees where I was brought up. And um, of which I was the first member of the whole thing. I went to join when I was 11 and I did improvisation and and, um, not really comedy improvisation, just all sorts of weird stuff. Um, And so, yeah, I I, I did some plays at school. So I thought, um, yeah, I want to do that. And um, I just got into it more. Once I sort of decided that, Basically, I found I could concentrate on it as opposed to being in a physics lesson or a chemistry lesson or something like that, where I'd be like, my mind would drift because I didn't really understand it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I could concentrate on working on a scene or a play for you know hours without realizing I was actually hungry or tired or anything like that. Um, and um, I, lo- I, loved, I loved the idea of using my mind in a different way yeah so so that's that's how it happened i mean uh yeah ended up going straight to drama school leaving quite young at the age of 20 and doing yeah as you say doing doing theater i didn't really do any telly until i was about 31 i did a ton of commercials because it was the 1980s that was the time when there were so much money thrown at commercials and that's where i sort of got my learnt my you know, how a studio works, you know, how many takes you do, what's the order of um, doing, you know, wide shot and two shot, and, you know, dirty single, blah, 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 all that stuff. 
Um, yeah. So that's that's the process. Then it was more telly in my thirties, more films and mixed bag from my forties on. Did you did you watch American TV when you were growing up? Um, not until I was older, but I'm, 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 American TV is the mainstay of my um, of what my me and my wife watch. I mean, and have done for a long time. But funny enough, it's an interesting question because. Like when I was a kid, my mum and dad thought that all um, um, American stuff was just like chewing gum rubbish, <laughs> and I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to watch the Munsters, and everybody at school talked about the Munsters, and I felt really left out. Um, so it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't until uh, you know uh, Happy Days and stuff like that came along um, in the mid seventies that I, you know, and Mork and Mindy you know, that I got into all that stuff. Is it amazing to you that after doing such serious work over the years, I mean, you know, Downton Abbey and Gosford Park, is it, is it, so is it weird to you that you're getting recognized for something that is so uh, downright funny and silly and, and, and the Ted Lasso, you know, sort of show? Um, not, so weird. I mean, I have done comedies in the past. Um, I, I played the lead in a sitcom. Um, basically, I can <laughs> if if there's a serious part, I'll probably end up making him look an idiot. I think I just <laughs> not by design. It just sort of I just sort of lean that way a little bit. Um, so it's not too surprising. I I, I couldn't imagine myself getting recognized for being in a kind of, you know, you know, murder, serial killer series. <laughs> right, right. Um, although I would love to play that kind of part just to freak everybody out, you know, because wasn't that the nice guy from Ted Lasso or something, you know? Um, but no, it, it's not too much of a surprise, but it is, it is a surprise, well, well to, to, to be start, starting to get to known so much. I'm, I'm just... Um, I'm used to doing th things. Um, it's just something I, I, I have to learn to live with, I think. Um, but I'm very cynical about the um, the here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing um, in this business. So, uh, but you know, I, I, I remember uh, Maggie Smith. You know, she's been around forever, and she was about seventy, I think, when Downton Abbey started, and she went. She went to uh, Penelope Wilton told me this. She, they went to a sort of um, a gardening exhibition and um, and they were just going to buy some shrubs and things for their gardens. And uh, and they ended up sort of being mobbed and they had to get they had to call taxis and get home. And Maggie, it just never happened to her. And that's really weird, isn't it? Because she's just she was just sort of like everybody knows her worth and watch how brilliant she is. But being recognized for it is is something else. So, uh, um, but anyway, I think I've wandered off your question. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> so we're just we're just talking here. We're just we're talking. Ripping. Yeah. Um, so, season two of Ted Lasso, episode one, has come out as of as, the, as of this moment, and it's just as good as the first uh, so far. Can you tell us anything about what's coming up? This is such a fanboy question, but can you say anything uh, about what's coming up? 
I can't really, Steve, because otherwise I'd just be in, get a huge smack bottom from Apple. Um, but um, you know, it's interesting. I'll, I'll tell you what's interesting. So I really don't want to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, years ago. The last episode of The West Wing, which I, is a television show that you saw. Oh my God, I love The West Wing. So yeah, do you remember the? Do you remember the election read. between Jimmy Smits and Alan Alda at the very end to replace uh, President Bartlett? And the Richard Schiff is a friend of mine, and I, I said, I said He's to Richard, amazing. I said to Richard, can you, can you tell me who won the election? And he said, Do you really want to know? And I realized, No, I don't. I want to be surprised by this whole thing. So Ted Lasso, I kind of want to be surprised by by the whole thing. So I actually don't want you to give us any information about it. It is a fanboy <laughs> question, and I don't want you to answer at all. So it's kind of it's kind of like a trick question. You wanted to see yeah, if you yeah. would divulge. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because because I'm I'm the kind of person when a show comes out or a movie comes out, I have friends that like will start talking about it and start giving me like a blow by blow by blow. And I was like, oh, no, I don't no, want to know anything about it. Absolutely. I don't even, I never read reviews. I don't want to, sometimes I'll watch a movie. I'll go to watch a movie. I don't even know what it's about. I don't want to yeah. know. Oh yeah. That's the best thing, isn't it? When you sort of think I've heard stuff about this and then you, and then you get, yeah. And then you're just complete. Oh, I didn't realize it was, you know, this. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yes. So I, <laughs> all I can tell you is I've got, um, slightly better clothes <laughs> okay. um, because his, his status has gone up. So his wage packet may have gone up a little bit, but not an awful lot. And I've got a very nice dark overcoat. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Dark overcoat. So <laughs> have you figured out what you're going to, what you get a red carpet now and you get all the attention that goes along with the Emmys. Are you ready? Are you excited for that sort of scene on the red carpet? Oh, uh, not, not really, but I mean, how can you prepare yourself for it? I mean, when we had, um, uh, also, I don't know whether we, you know, it was quite a struggle for us to, to get us over here. Um, Hannah, Brett and I, uh, I think they want to get everybody over for the Emmys if possible, but we had to have waivers because, you know, we're from the UK and, you know, yeah, that's right. Delta variant. So we are still not allowed into properly into the country without th this sort of special, um, uh, criteria. Um, but I really hope that we can come, um, uh, and, and that it's, you know, a lot of fun basically. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, believe the, 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 the response at the, uh, the premiere in LA for the first two apps. It was, uh, it was astonishing. I mean, I, you know, only about two or three years ago, I went to the Mary Poppins premiere in LA and the, um, the sort of facilitator went down the line and said, um, uh, I, I was, I think I was first there and they said, they went down the press line and they said, um, we have Jeremy Swift here. And they were just looking at their phones and they went, Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, and I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. I only I flew from London, but it's fine. But, um, so I just thought, <laughs> I thought well, with the Ted Lasso premiere, I thought I'm going to get there early again. I just do, just get through it. And then I can go and have a glass of uh, champagne. Um, it, it was two and a half hours before we sat down. We, the, the, uh, there was a grandstand of people screaming and filming me. Uh, it, it was, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I have a very ordinary life. I was just putting Ikea furniture together for my daughter's new house before I left. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm not really used to all that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, if that's how it is, then I'll just go with it and um, just 
appreciate that people are having a good time enjoying the show. So that's all so you can ask for. Is it is it like a jinx to even think about writing a speech? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I, 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 I suppose it is. I mean, I, yeah, I haven't thought about writing a speech at all. No, no, because I, I, re, I mean, I'm, I'm very um, uh, flattered to be, uh, the, you know, nominated. But I, I really, and to be honest, I, I really hope it's a person of color. Uh, you know, hmm. I'm an old white guy. Um, I, I think that's how it should be. Run really interesting, um, um, but um, wow, that's such a Ted Lasso answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, th- that's kind of how I feel. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think, and I think the whole thing about a lot of us being nominated is just people. People love the show. Yeah. And that's just fantastic. It's very, very um, humbling. Well, as you guys would say on Ted Lasso, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don't the, you love uh, Brendan's synth drums on that? Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, Ted Lasso season two happening right now on Apple Plus. Jeremy, thank you so much for doing that. And great, great luck to you at the, uh, at the Emmy Awards as well. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you. Jeremy Swift there, what what a nice, nice guy, and what a humble guy. He's top of the world right now with Ted Lasso and uh, just the, the sweetest dude. I kind of feel like the whole cast is probably a lot like him. Yeah, I feel like it's probably a really happy, mm-hmm. positive. Nobody gets yelled at on the set of Ted Lasso. Yeah, exactly. It's just fun. And, and one thing, I, I, I didn't get a chance to say this to him, but... Uh, the writing is so great. Mm. And one thing that I love about the writing is that when when Ted Lasso makes analogies to things that are American, you know, there are a lot of times where you would expect someone to kind of look at them like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. And then like Danny, you know, the the new the new guy on the yes, team yes. will actually answer or or make a comment like he said something about um you know, it was like Tom Cruise with a little pony. With a little little ponytail, yeah. With he a did little it in, ponytail. In both and Danny, Last in, Samurai and in Magnolia. Right. He said, um, uh, he said Magnolia. I mean, like, he actually knew what he was talking about. And it's and such, a, have such expected a, it. it's such That's a kind of obscure reference to Paul Thomas Anderson. And there was one for... The gin blossoms, too. Yes. And yes. I thought, that is so cool. And there was one expression that jumped out at me. I don't want to spoil season or episode one, but there was one expression that jumped out at me. Don't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm, <laughs> right. which is so clever. It was brilliant. So clever. Yeah. So if you're not watching Ted Lasso, season one is on Apple Plus, and you can start season two uh, as we speak, um, as, as we record this. Only episode one is out, and it's fantastic. Um, well, listen, Sue, you know who makes this show possible? Our good friend, Jacob. Jacob and Ronnie. And I got this question last week from somebody. What if you have an accident? We have a lot of listeners out in Palm Springs, out in the Coachella Valley. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody said, this is a friend of uh, my mom's boyfriend, not stepdad, Leo. Uh, they had an accident out there. And he said, well, can Jacob 
handle this. And I called Jacob. Jacob said, yeah, I, I can handle anything in the Coachella Valley. Any, anything in the general vicinity of Southern California, he can handle San Diego, Palm Springs, all that stuff. So uh, if you were involved in any kind of accident, a car accident, a motorcycle accident, accident as a pedestrian or accident on a bike, whatever it happens to be, work accident, uh, you, want, you want somebody that's uh, been on your side, has been doing this for 25 years here in uh, Southern California, and that is Jacob Amrani. He is a real person, a real friend of mine, a real attorney. He is my attorney, and he should be your attorney, too, if you are involved in any kind of accident. Uh, 844-24-JACOB is the number. Put that in your phone. 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or remember the catchy jingle, accident or injury. Call Jacob Amrani. Call oh, Jacob. Jacob. Eh, that's pretty good. We're getting better at that. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So. Nice, nice. Uh, well, listen, if you are on iTunes or on Spotify right now, hit the subscribe button. That's really important to us. Uh, leave a rating and a review. Also great if you do that. Um, and uh, that's it. That's, that's it. It's very okay. professional. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. We're over. We're done. We're done. Uh, don't forget, uh, Sue, have a uh, have a great day. Thanks a lot. You too. Thank and you. Uh, we will talk to you very soon on our next Culture Pop podcast. <laughs>